I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcast is supported by Twin Motion, the simple real-time rendering solution to create high-quality imagery, client presentations, and interactive experiences that help communicate your design ideas fast. Hello, my name is Demetrius. Jason is not on this one, but you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Today we have a a special guest uh, outside of our normal rotation. Uh, He is in Germany, so we had to align some different times for him. (laughs) But today, please help me welcome Georgi Lektarski. Georgie, thank you for joining me. Hello, Demetrius. Thank you very much for having me on the on the on your show. I probably butchered your last name, please, and I'm sure we compromised on the pronunciation of your first name. So, can you correct me, please? Uh, my first name is Georgi, but for Americans, Georgie is completely fine, and uh, my last name is Leshtarsky. But I grew up in Italy and nobody could really pronounce my name, so it's fine. You were you were great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you for joining me. I wanted to have you on. Um, we got to chatting on uh, Instagram, but just in our pre-conversation, you have a, a pretty fascinating story and uh and some alignment with the way that I see the industry as well. You're also an architect and kind of finding your way through the profession. Tell our, our listeners a little bit about um, your journey into architecture. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite of a journey. Uh, I'm almost 29 years old, and I was born in Bulgaria, which is a Eastern European country. And uh, recently, actually, I read that I'm born in 1992, but I'm more kids of the transition, how they're called in Bulgaria rather than a millennial. Uh, so when I was eight, uh, my family needed to emigrate to Italy because the economical stability of Bulgaria was very bad. And um, since I was eight, we moved to Italy. And then I was always proud and talented in drawing. So uh, my family directed me into architecture because for them, that was a career that there is a certain meritocracy because we make stuff and uh, there is a physical result of your work. So you cannot get a job with only with connections. So you have to actually know to do something. So this is how I started my journey in studying that direction. But it was really hard for me to understand how to become a professional because my parents are not in the field. My mom, she was working in a completely different field. And my dad, he's a truck driver, so nothing in that direction. And then I moved to Germany because we have an exchange program here in Europe, which is called Erasmus, where we can go for a couple of years abroad. And I came to Frankfurt. And here, uh, somehow I found a job after a few months uh, learning the language. And then um, during the pandemic, everybody had a little bit of extra time to to work on something. And um, I thought I always loved podcasts and I always love to listen to different shows, which are American. <laughs> and um, I wanted to create a podcast in English from Europe where I try to talk to people from many different creative fields. They're mainly architects because it's easier for me to find architects and to discover their journey so that listeners who are younger or even professionals that are just somehow stuck in their daily life or daily work can hear something inspiring and maybe get pushed to do their best. I didn't want to be the one that it's giving lessons because I don't consider myself like... Uh, I don't like to say successful, but I'm not at that point that I can give lectures to anyone else. <laughs> so I try to talk to other people that have done more than me so far. Yeah. And I don't think I mentioned it. The podcast is called the Creative Insider Podcast, and you can find it on all platforms, right? Yes, yes. You can find it on all major podcasting platforms. So Speaking to all of these different creatives, what have you kind of found or have you found sort of a through line for all of them that they kind of have in common in their journeys and experiences? Well, there are some guests that are uh, similar in a way and some other are different, but there are some which wanted to be a creative since the beginning or some that are children of creatives and they became creatives themselves but there are also a lot of guests that also sometimes they didn't even want to start this path and they ended up on it and they realized it's their way and i think the le the lesson it's that when you feel confused or when you feel lost a little bit in your daily life it's okay because you don't have to know everything it, you'll figure it out you just have to be maybe consistent and persistent and uh, work on your craft what is um, the most successful people that I had on the podcast they 
always were focused on their craft. They, that's maybe the common thing. They were um, they weren't focused on the outcome. They were focused on the process. Mm. So they were trying to improve themselves, and they took jumps, which maybe like uh, leaps, which are were maybe scary but they did it in a unconscious way very naive and they managed <laughs> yeah uh now with your journey trying to navigate through architecture how has that journey been you talked a little bit about not necessarily being conventional well for me it was since uh the moment i decided i wanted to become an architect a little bit all, all in um, so I lived close to Rome, around 40 miles southern than Rome. And I started studying at a school of art at the age of 14. Uh, but to get to Rome, it takes a couple of hours. So every day I needed to wake up at 5.30 in the morning, jump on a train and commute every day around two hours to get to school and two hours to come back. And okay. after school... I needed to I needed to access university. We have a test in Italy. And um it's like architecture, I think one out of eight or one out of ten gets in. Hmm. So usually people to take multiple tests, like maybe architecture engineering, so that maybe if they don't manage from the first shot, they can do one year in engineering and some exam then can be recognized if you switch uh, in the second year. But I did only the architectural test and my plan B was to take a year off and go to London. But luckily I got in. And then after the third year of architectural school, I felt also very disappointed because I didn't see my future in Italy because the economical situation for architects was really, really bad, so to say. It, we didn't have any certainty about getting a job. And as I said, I don't have any connections in the field, so it was very difficult. And uh, I've heard that Germany has a better situation, so I hopped on this Erasmus program. And uh, I remember I went to my dad and I said, look, I know it's hard to afford it because we don't have so much money, but for me, this is a big chance to go to Germany. And I'm glad that my family always prioritized my studies yeah, and I came to Germany and I saw that here there were opportunities for students because a lot of the students were already working as like interns and they were paid pretty well. And I was a little scared because I thought that they were way more talented than I was. But the reality was that they knew German, I didn't, and we were pretty much on the same level. Yeah. So I, I focused on learning German the first four months and then I applied for three jobs and the second one they asked me to the second interview when they asked me to go work the next day and uh <laughs> it was a it was a thursday so i remember i said them guys i want to have the weekend off because i just had finished my exam session and uh and i started and this is how everything began so to say in germany let's take a quick break to share a little bit about our sponsor twin motion What if you could visualize your building in a couple of clicks, remove months of the design process, or create a bridge between stakeholders to solve problems before they even come up? Well, our friends at Twin Motion offer simple, real-time visualization for architects. Their state-of-the-art technology lets you view and edit your scene on the go 
in the same pixel-perfect quality as the final rendering. Twinmotion seamlessly integrates with other tools like SketchUp and Revit, transforming your BIM or CAD models into high-quality images, panoramas, standard or 360-degree VR videos, or presentations. No wonder it's used by industry leaders like Zaha Hadid Architects and HOK. What's more, you'll have access to the world's largest library of 3D assets to populate your scene. Sound complicated? Well, what if I told you that Twinmotion enables anyone to present their biggest ideas in the easiest way possible, regardless of previous CG experience? Or that it uses drag and drop assets and the power of Unreal Engine to truly differentiate your projects? To learn more, visit Twinmotion.com. Or to download a free trial today, visit our exclusive URL, twinmotion.link slash spaces. That's T-W-I-N-M-O-T-I-O-N dot L-I-N-K slash spaces to try Twinmotion for free. You mentioned uh, the economic situation was not good for architects. What what, can you expand on that? What do you mean by that? Was it just that people weren't kind of in need of architectural services or is it something more? Well, Italy, it's very historical country. And the beauty of Italy, it's, it's historical beauties. And um, not so much new that is built. Mm. And the, most of the new buildings are built in Milan, which is in northern of Italy. And Rome, it's always been kept as as old as possible because that's the attraction of the city. And when all the jobs are concentrated in the northern region, and also Italy is with the, the country with the highest number of architects per capita, I think, in the world. Wow. So when there is a job opening, there are a lot of candidates, and that makes the business pay them cheap because if you don't want to work cheap, they will find someone else that will work cheap. And that's the reason that you get paid really peanuts because currently I have talked to some of my former schoolmates at the university and they were working for 500 euros a month, which is something like $700 maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can stay to live with your parents and basically <laughs> have enough, enough to go out with friends. Yeah. Yeah, and one of my first podcasts, because I started doing like solo episodes where I talk about a topic, I was trying to break down how much, although in Europe, education is almost free, uh, you still have expenses. And I was trying starting to, to break down what are the costs of education and why should people should reject jobs that are paid bad because it's, some, it's like someone is stealing your money. Mm -hmm. You're working for just switch careers or switch countries if that's the conditions yeah that's interesting and i and i'm i'm sure you know 700 dollars is very different from what the low pay in the united states probably is but it's the same sentiment i think throughout the industry do you kind of see it that way as an industry problem or do you think it's a country problem i think in particular in italy it's a country problem and specifically industry problem, because I think that Italy have some excellences, uh, but what it lacks, it's the mid level. So 
with this, I want to say that there are some architectural studios in Italy which are really high-end and cutting-edge, like Renzo Piano Building Workshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is Mario Cucinella. It's There was recently, I was seeing articles about 3D printed buildings in Italy and experimentation. Uh, I had on the podcast Arturo Tedeschi. He's one of the most important figures in um, algorithm designs. So we have these excellences, but what it it lacks for me, it's mid-range. So if you're a genius, <laughs> you're an excellent expert. Um, I make always the example with cars. Like in Italy, we have Ferrari and Lamborghini, which are the best of the best. It's the dream car of everybody. Mm-hmm. But the average car is Fiat with its <laughs> like not the dream car of everybody. Yeah. So I think this is the, the main problem in Italy. But the industry around the world, I don't know. Here in Germany, it's pretty good so far. But let's see how it's going to be during the next few months and years when maybe the economical crisis from the pandemic is going to get maybe harder. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know how it is in the US. What is your opinion on the topic? I feel like it's um, kind of a problem within the profession and the way that the industry is structured in that everything is operating to the lowest common denominator and you have to, you talked about the competition and the um, end client essentially in that case has their pick of whoever's the cheapest. So they're going to continue to find whoever's the cheapest and then you have to design as quickly as possible at low as low as you can on fees so you're trying to find whatever talent is going to accept your low pay and then you get to the field and they're constantly looking for the lowest labor so you're just like constantly cutting corners at every single opportunity and by the time we actually uh put out products people don't value them which also subsequently devalues the profession and people question why would I pay this high fee when I have all these issues but you have all these issues because everybody has to keep pushing down on their costs to get to whatever number they need to to get a job it's kind of this chicken or the egg thing of this constant pressure that devalues our profession which makes it extremely difficult to to move up yeah, I think this is happening everywhere around the world, also here in Germany, because uh, labor force is very expensive. Mm-hmm. But I think that some companies really are really good at positioning themselves in a position which they say, we are this company, we stand for a certain design, mm-hmm. uh, and we stand for certain quality. And if you want to work with us, we won't let you pressure us. So you have to understand that the buildings that we design and then built are representing our philosophy and our values Mm -hmm. and um, maybe they do less project but for more money and then in the end the result is similar so i think that more companies should do that yeah i think it's a a mindset shift that a lot more people are coming around to and understanding that you have to stand for something and say i'm not going to budge on my price because i know what this actually costs to deliver a quality product. So yeah, hopefully we are (laughs) seeing a shift where more and more people will start to think that way. Uh, You mentioned one of the guests that you had. Who are some other guests that you have and sort of the the content that you guys cover on the Creative Insider? Yeah, so 
when I started the podcast, I was thinking about if it's going to be the architectural insider or the creative insider. And then I decided it's going to be the creative insider because I think that the different creative industries are somehow similar in the core. And I was trying to have um, lessons from other fields to not only architectures. But yeah, we have had, I don't know, there were so many now because uh, we are now 60 episodes in. But for example, uh, the latest one where the two guys from Scandinavia, the founders of Shaman Norgren, which is a small but very successful practice and between Copenhagen and Helsinki, on the episode number 50, we have the founder Effect, which is also based in Copenhagen, and they have won a Golden Lion at the Venice Biennale. We have had uh, many computer graphic artists and architectural visualization experts, like we have Eric um, de Combe de Broche, which is the founder of Luxigon, which is one of the leading companies or one of the pioneers in the architectural visualization industry. But like, as I said, the guests were so many and from many different fields. Uh, we have had Laurie Rowan. He is a big guy into computer graphics animation. Um, there are so many and yeah. I'm mentioning just some that are popping up in my mind. What I'm most proud of is that we have people from every kind of uh, nationality. So it's uh, we have had people from Syria. Uh, we have had people from the U.S. We have people from Iran. Uh, we would have people from Russia if that's the case. Yeah. So I really love that uh, we we are so international and and with this modern technology situation, we can do that like from home. Yeah, yeah. I really love that we can do this now. <laughs> Just hop on Zoom and be able to have a conversation across the world. So, thank you for joining me. How can people follow along with you, um, social media, website? So basically they can go on the thecreativeinsider.com and from there they can find links to all the episodes and our social media. The social media are for now Instagram, it's at TCI Podcast and um, the LinkedIn page, The Creative Insider. Okay, that was at TCI Podcast, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to the listeners for listening. We will talk soon. Thanks. Thank you to Twin Motion for their support of this podcast episode. Don't forget to visit twinmotion.link slash spaces today and try Twin Motion for free. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon.
Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLamey, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.